1: Welcome back, Queens. We are with Emily Williams Carver today. Let me tell you a little bit about Emily. Always playing sports as a kid, this former athlete turned author has experienced a range of challenges that girls face throughout their sports journey. Emily Williams, in writing her debut novel, Lady Fleets, discusses how to face problems head-on with tips and tricks for players to try to overcome their own challenges. As a coach, she's been able to have this as a dialogue with her players, but excited to be able to broaden this reach with her book. So welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thank you, thank you. I'm super excited to be here today. Yeah, we are too. So first of all, tell us a little bit more about your background. We want to get to know you a little bit more. How it came about your love of sports and how you came about now writing the book and being an author
2: so my love of sports really came from the fact that my parents were always putting us in sports. Mm-hmm. So to us, it seems like just one of those things that part of our household, it was a part of our life growing up between me and my brother. We always were playing sports, but then probably around age like 11 or 12, I honed in on basketball. That's all I want to do. That was a sport that really just I loved the team. I loved kind of the plays. I understood it as a whole at a very young age. I, it was a sport that just clicked with me. So Ooh. that's what really ignited my passion in
1: basketball. Yeah, Becca here is her daughter is a basketball fiend. Becca coaches. Becca was a basketball playing, player yeah. too. So yeah, you're, you're speaking, speaking her my language, language here. <laughs> I sat the bench in basketball. I love you the You can run bench. fast. I was. I ran fast. That's it. But so <laughs> basketball was it, huh?
2: Yes, and it's not to anyone else's effort. My mom was like, you should try swimming because I love swimming, but to me it was something that I loved to do, and I didn't want to do it competitively because then it would change it from being something I loved to being a chore, where basketball never felt like a chore, regardless of what competitive level I was playing. Then, unfortunately, my junior year, that super fun year when all the girls' hips settled, when my hips settled, I tried running. One day, a long distance, and I pulled my patellas off track, oh. and that knee injury took me down uh, for the rest of that fall season, went to my junior varsity season, and I just I couldn't keep up speed-wise. I couldn't keep up with my team, and I felt super discouraged. I rode the bench all year, and after that, I just felt that it was time to hang up my basketball hat, and I did do track my senior year because all my friends did track. I was the only one basketball player out of like my social friend group. So I did track senior year. And after all, like that emotions of like coming off an injury, I took off time in college of sports, competitive sports completely. And then probably right after that, I hopped right into coaching. I felt something was missing. And I think giving myself this time away from my sport made me realize I would miss it it's like one of those things like this is, makes the heart grow fonder <laughs> that's what happened with me in basketball right. and within six months of graduating I started coaching then COVID happened and all of a sudden I can't coach anymore like my thing that brings me passion is gone and so I pivoted all my energy into writing and it was really a very simple thing because it went from All the lessons I would teach at practice, I'm just playing them on pen and paper. So it really did challenge me, which is great. But it also was a whole new way to kind of express the lessons I teach in practice just to a broader crowd.
0: Yeah, and I think when a lot of people transition sport, they don't actually transition. So sometimes I think that's helpful to have that time. To be like, okay, I'm ready to exit as a player, but I love the sport. How can I continue in a different role and now become a, a coach? So I think that's almost a healthier way of experiencing that that transition. Yeah. So can you share with us a bit of some of the issues that you think female athletes are tackling in this age of sport? It is it is kind of funny now. Uh, I was just joking with, with um, Kara that, like, my daughter, she's almost my height, and she's 11, and so, like... We're going to go oh, on man. our third shopping spree because she's like, now my shoes don't fit. I'm like, what? And then her, her toe poking out. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> but I mean, that's just, you know, physically they have their challenges. Yeah. But also it's, sport is so much different than when I grew up. So I'm kind of curious what you're seeing.
2: So I see a few things I see. So I did it. I, I grew up with it. I specialized. I picked basketball and that's what I did. So you're having this weird age of specialization where kids are more now more prone to injuries because they're not working out their bodies in different ways. And that's what kind of happened to me was my outer quads were really strong, but then my inner quads were super weak from being mm. in that basketball defensive stance all the time and not finding other ways to work my muscles out so you're seeing that specialization phenomenon impacting them physically but also mentally because imagine all you're doing is one thing all the time you could hit burnout really fast Mm -hmm. and it puts you kind of in this mental space of I have to be perfect at this because I literally spend all my hours outside of my regular school homework everything else doing this and if there's any failure that's a lot of pressure rather than oh, okay, if I don't play basketball well this season, I have softball next season, and I can do well at that. You know, you don't have anything to look forward to but the same thing. So I'm seeing that burnout phenomenon really happening with some of my players. And I think the, also the impact of social media. I, I grew up with social media, but it wasn't as strong in kids as it is today. So you're also dealing with some aspects of, oh, all the – it's like this exclusion on social media where, for example, all my pla- I know all my players follow each other except for one girl. And, like, I have to be very conscientious to make sure she's included because they were all friends before joining the team. So they're you know, they have their inside jokes on social media that they bring up in practice, and I have to kind of maneuver that as a coach and be like, guys, that's cool, but that's not what we're talking about right now so that everyone feels included and safe in our space. So those are the big things I see.
1: I wouldn't have any idea how to tackle social media from a coaching perspective, (laughs) and just dealing with
0: that piece of it. Right. Well, and you bring up a great point. I think you have your team culture and friends that are within there. Mm -hmm. How do you bring them together when they all come from different groups? And that's one of the transitions we did this year. is my daughter joined a team where she didn't know anybody. And it was actually a really good learning experience because she was forced to kind of learn how to make friends and that, you know, one of the girls was actually one of her rivals that she played against in Parks and Rec. So it was kind of funny. Now it's her teammate. So lots of learning uh, lessons. I love when that happens. Yeah. such a good I experience. had that happen. Me too.
2: And we actually want up be great friends. And so when we play each other in our rival games. It was awesome because I'm like, hey, Sarah, I'm sorry, I'm boxing you out right now. Don't mind
1: me. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna get that ball. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's again like sports is so different than when I grew up. Of like, yeah, you're you're playing with kids that you don't even go to school with, but it's so. Especially if you're going to be playing outside of high school. I mean, you're you're going to be playing with other Strangers, players. Strangers anyways, right? yeah. Or rivals that are now on your team. So what a great learning experience to start younger. Yeah, and I think, I think that's super helpful
2: mm-hmm. to be able to meet new people regardless. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, tell us all about the book. What are we going to find in there? Tell me all the things.
2: <laughs> all the things. So the things. it's essentially growth. <laughs> broken up into five different sections that tackle different problems that I find still to be universal to female athletes today so there are things that I literally lived through that now as a coach I'm now watching happen in front of my eyes and my I believe my responsibility and I feel like all our responsibility is to make life better for the next generation so it's not as hard it's not because there's always going to be challenges but to help make just the little things easier especially being a coach I'm not there to make their life hard, make them live through the grid I live through. So the first section is all about loss and how to deal with loss, whether it's not making the team, which is the example I walk through, to what if you lose a game, to bigger losses in our lives that kind of transcend our lifetime. So that's kind of the first section, really getting in touch with your emotions and really like... If you're frustrated, how do you deal with being frustrated in a moment you might not be able to be frustrated in? And kind of working through those different ways with better training your brain. The second section is all about compartmentalization, so time management. It's a lesson I learned through a private basketball lesson with one of my coaches, and he essentially just taught me this word, and it changed my life when it comes to how I manage my day to day and how I bucket my time and how I focus 100% on the task at hand rather than getting distracted by all the other things going on. Because life gets busy and complicated, but it's really hard when I'm staring at my 100 list long to do list and I have to get it all done by the end of the day. And so looking at the whole list, I look at it in sections and kind of walking through that. The third piece I talk about identity, and actually I do talk about my identity crisis, I had in college. I had this whole identity crisis of I'm not Emily with a jersey on anymore. I don't have a basketball in my dorm room. Like, I, who am I without that? And really learning who I was uh, was in that moment, my thought to put it in this book was let's teach players at a younger age to have an identity outside of sports right. so that when yeah. the sport isn't there anymore – they don't feel as lost as I did during that time.
0: And I think that helps, too. So we interviewed somebody today, and they were talking about how, like, one of the disparities in women coverage on for sporting events is that they don't tend to tell a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's part of how we can probably teach identity is, like, well, there's got to be more to your story. Like, tell us yeah. about you as a person, a friend. You know, so that's great that you're you're starting that at a younger age, and now you know these younger generations can can read your book. So, and what an important like
1: position a coach can be to mm-hmm. encourage that, even at practices or like what you know. Let's talk about something other than sports. And again, you know how athletes look up to coaches, right? right. Like. I'll listen to coach, I won't listen to mom sort of thing. (laughs) So what a great opportunity you have to share your story along with encouraging the storytelling of women in sports
2: that's the whole thing, right? I mean, actually in my next section, uh four chapter four, it's about relationships with the sports and I talk about romantic relationships and I literally quote, I ignored my mother about this, so I'm telling you that she was right and this is my giant <laughs> apology letter to her.
1: But she appreciates that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I told you so <laughs> yep.
2: I was like, Yep, mom, you're welcome. Here's my apology letter. <laughs> And then my fifth section is about leadership because, as I've said a hundred times, I'll say a hundred more, athletes are different. They want to step into leadership roles. They don't want to just sit on the bench. They don't want to sit on the sideline. They want to be in the game in every aspect, not just as the player. They want to lead the team. And so how do you build that leadership resume as an athlete amongst athletes?
0: So that's the whole book right there. Love it. And on that that theme <laughs> of athletes and leadership – how can, especially for us female athletes, how can we get out there and elevate women's sports? Because we know you're a big advocate. You're, you're writing a book. You're being vocal about it. How can we use these leadership skills and change the persona that we're having of women's sports?
2: Oh, man, all the feels because of you know what's <laughs> going on with the NCAA um, right now. Yeah, um, we've been <laughs> chatting about that today, right? Yes, and I have lots of feelings about it because I think – the epitome of why women are not as far along in sports as we want to be it's because we don't speak up about it it's because we don't say anything because I bet probably five years ago if that would have happened in this state of the world it'd be like okay yeah we're the girls we just get yoga mats and a rack of dumbbells and that's it Mm -hmm. where it took
1: everyone on the internet to be upset about it (laughs) right social media has positives yeah I mean the positive (laughs) aspect yeah using our voice for that Mm mm-hmm
2: Yes, exactly. So I think it's that. I think it's changing how we, our own values, right? In our brains, how do we value ourselves? Those girls knew we deserve as much as the boys do. So why is it like this? Why is the NCAA essentially telling us we don't deserve that? Because though the girls' sports might not be as televised, and we're going to say money and stuff, I think the NCAA should be neutral on that because it is literally supported by groups that are under Title IX, which is a whole <laughs> other legal shenanigans uh-huh. you could get into for hours. But <laughs> I, I think being vocal about it and calling it out, but then also just like your little things in your day. The WNBA has, and I don't have regular TV, but the WNBA has like an app where you can stream all the games. Spending the $6 a month, so I can have every game to watch. That's one way you can make a difference mm-hmm. by putting your money kind of where your mouth is and showing mm-hmm. financial support if you can is what elevates it because I hear the argument of capitalism. I hear it and I'm like, okay, well then I'll just vote with my dollar where I want it to be. So I'm going to say we should support women's sports. I also have to show that I am supporting in all the facets that I personally
0: can. Absolutely. So, Emily, I have a very tough question before Kara gives you the last one. Oh, Who are you rooting oh, no. for to win the women's tournament?
2: Oh, man, all of them. What? <laughs> oh, oh, the love. You just politically correct. <laughs> you got to have a favorite. Uh, unfortunately, I... And my heart's with the UConn, personally, because I've mm-hmm. always watched them. Yeah, but, yeah. no, I, I love just watching the game. It's so bad. I just love watching the game and, like, cheering everyone on and seeing the plays. It gets really bad because I coach AAU, and I'll be, like, watching the boys' scrimmage before us because the boys are on before we come on for our practice. And I'm yelling at the boys' teams, like, on both sides of the scrimmage, and they're like, who is this person? <laughs> I thought the coach knows me because <laughs> him and I run the clinic together. And he's just like, oh, just ignore her. She's just – how." so I just love watching the game. And – Something about women's sports that's way different than men's sports, and I'm gonna call it out. Women have better fundamentals than men. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, men'll men will agree to that. Yeah. Um, oh, yes,
2: I agree, yeah. They should. Yeah. They should.
0: Because, <laughs> and, uh, they should. Because I love
2: I just love watching actually like a good game with like good skills both sides. Because cool, you can do a trick shot, but can you make a light up? No? Okay. Then <laughs>
1: exactly. we would talk to you later. Checking things uh, up. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I got it. My daughter loves Paige Becker, and, I mean, she is so solid, and I like how she has a composure of just letting the game come to her. I mean, she can start out with no points in the first quarter and still end up in 20 points by the the end of the game, so – who are you rooting for? Oh, She's part of UConn. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yukon. Yeah. So is Maddie? Maddie going yeah, to UConn? Mm-hmm. That's her
0: favorite player. Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> again, like, that's what the stories we need. We need to, like, favorite players. And, again, that goes, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole of, like, you know, media and money and then sexualizing the athlete. I have to wear a bikini to oh, get God. money if I am an athlete yeah. to get attention. Make I mean, it on it Sports
0: Illustrated with the basketball in front and, of like, you. Emily, it
1: feels so big.
2: <laughs> it is big. Chip away means, at these things. It bothers me. It's also big. Because then the other part is because they're amateur athletes, they, can't, they do not have rights to their own image. Right. So how are women supposed to get attention if there's no money, but they want to get the right attention on them, but they can't do it because they don't have the rights to their own image because mm-hmm. they're in college? That's uh, so many feelings. Okay. I have lots of feelings about lots of things, and <laughs> that's the one that gets me worked up.
1: I know it's kind of crazy. I don't. Uh, yeah, you're I mean, welcome to have your feels. It's okay. Oh yeah, it's a good place for it here. <laughs> well, Emily, again, I think we could talk about all these things in more in depth. What a good time to chat with you when the NCAA is going on and some stuff coming up that I'm sure is giving you all the feel. So we're really excited for your book. I'm also sharing the link that you are giving us to the listeners that they can read a sample of the book. So we're going to put that in our show notes. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And yes, if they like it, the book is available on Amazon. I believe it gets every, everywhere in the U.S. within a couple of days and it, it does go to other countries too. So wherever your listeners are, they can grab it.
1: Great. We do. We have listeners all over. So yeah. that's great. And then Emily, at the end of each interview, we like to ask our interviewees how they live out the fit philosophy. So how do you try to balance performance, health, intellect, and taking time for yourself in this kind of crazy, crazy year?
2: So this is where, as I said, that compartmentalization, making sure I'm organized and intentional about what I do so that I can fit everything I want to fit in 24 hours.
1: Intentional. I like that. That was actually my New Year's resolution last year to be more intentional (laughs) of my time. And that went well until February of 2020. That's all right. You get a pandemic clause. It's okay. I said I wanted a staycation last year.
0: You got it. My husband's like, your
1: staycation went well last year. A whole year. Well, Emily, keep doing the work that you're doing. I bet your athletes are really grateful to have a coach like you. So thanks again for being on and being a listener. No
2: problem. Thank you both so much. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. You, you too. too. Bye, Talk
1: Emily. to you later. Bye, Bye queens.
2: queens.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by yours truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as Red S, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on
1: today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.